0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Forward Curve. Hello and welcome to The Forward Curve, the weekly podcast covering the commodity markets and the global economy, brought to you by Gold Street Advisors, the independent research and advisory firm. In this episode, we'll be discussing the Chinese government's recent meeting to lay out the country's next five-year plan. I'm Christian Clabatter and joining me will be our chief analyst Robin Barr. For our newcomers, please subscribe to the Forward Curve and be sure to check out our website www.goldstreetadvisors.com for information on what Gold Street Advisors can do for you and your company. Robin, nice to see you again. What have you got for us? Thanks Christian.
1: In a previous podcast, we spoke about the Chinese Communist Party, we call them CCP for short. They were planning on meeting in mid-October to map out the country's 14th five-year plan. The current plan is important as the next five years will be critical in lifting the country towards becoming a high-income economy amid a much more hostile global environment and trade tensions. 2021 is hugely symbolic, marking the 100th anniversary of the founding of the Chinese Communist Party. So um, a big, big year, if it wasn't already, uh, next year. Indeed.
0: So what was the focus in these meetings?
1: Well, this was the fifth plenum of the 19th Communist Party Congress, to give it its uh, full name. That took place in Beijing uh, first four days, I think, of last week, where they discussed, you know, big picture issues to do with the economy, social factors and uh, and so on. And it was expected that we would hear about policies related to infrastructure and real estate, which is, you know, for what we're dealing in, it's all bullish for industrial metals, has been and we suspect will continue to be the case. Following the meeting, an outline of the uh, the next five-year plan that will be published via the usual state media sources because we don't get a full um, Policy document yet. There will be these famous leaks if you like and the full version uh, That will be prepared for approval because it still needs to be sanctioned by the National People's Congress in March 2021 So truly a centrally planned economy where these events two, three times a year uh, are um, going
0: ahead to lay out the the economic plan, if you like, for China. Right. Robin, now, I know we've talked about this before, but if you could clarify, when was the last five-year plan instituted and when will this new one be put into effect?
1: The last plan, that was instigated in 2016, lasts for five years. So that takes us through to the end of this year, the next plan, the 14th. Well, that will uh, start in 2021 and go through to uh, 2025. Uh, the previous five-year plan, the 13th, that pretty much focused on supply-side reform. So we had cuts to overcapacity in the coal sector, steel and uh, aluminium, plus monitoring of polluting industry and oversight of capacity increases in the lead and zinc sector, for example. This new plan, the 14th, starting next year, uh, is under the umbrella of dual circulation. What does that mean? Well, dual circulation is focused on four issues which are interrelated. So self-sufficiency, making the economy not dependent on outside forces, domestic demand, innovation and environmental protection. So this emphasizes the domestic economy and growth uh, are going to be driven by technology development and consumption. So the next five years, likely to focus more on upgrading livelihoods and local infrastructure. And this has already been seen this year with a special bond-driven stimulus um, that we saw earlier this year, with more control of spending given to local authorities. And one of the major policy planks will be the satellite towns, which will be a key policy to support further urbanisation. We had the first satellite town just outside Beijing, But many more are planned, I suspect because you're having a lot of people moving into urban areas from largely rural agricultural regions. They need somewhere that's affordable to to stay uh, if they're going to contribute to the service
0: economy. in those those big cities. Several years ago, there were lots of images and news stories floating around of newly constructed but empty cities across China. Signs that infrastructure growth was vastly ahead of the actual demand for upscale apartments and office buildings. Was that really the case at the time? And have those urban centers since been occupied?
1: The simple answer is yes and yes. Uh, I mean, this really highlights how China plans for the long term. Most Western economies, I think, without any exception, are very short-term in their view. You know, I think it's because politicians, they look to the next election, so they're just there for the next election cycle. China is different. It plans, dare I say, 50, 60 years ahead. And those empty cities, roads to nowhere, yes, they were built, but they were built with the foresight that eventually people will live in them and will become richer, can afford a car, will be using public transport. So those roads to nowhere actually are now started to, to get used. And I think if you go to those tier three cities, so outside of the tier one, tier two cities like Shanghai, Beijing, you'll see those um Flats and apartments now occupied, you'll see washing hanging out in the uh, in the yard or over the balconies. So I think that's testimony to the fact that they're now being occupied admittedly maybe five, ten years after they were built. but that's I think the hallmark of the Chinese economy, the fact that it's um it's being planned way way ahead. Of what we would do in the West.
0: Wow, that is absolutely amazing. So, uh, what do we have to see going forward?
1: Well, in addition to the next five year plan, we heard about a mid term economic strategy called the 2035 vision. So, we've talked about planning for the next 50 to 60 years, but interspersed within that timeframe will be certain goals. So, we had China going out 2025, 2035 vision. So this vision assumes that China overtakes the US as the world's number one economy. And Beijing and the government views the trend of continuous economic growth with absolute certainty. They have no doubt about it. So with this enhanced economic power, greater soft power, China will find it easier to exert influence abroad. And we're seeing it heavily involved in Africa because it needs the... um, the raw materials. China's total economic size, the capital income, this will climb to a new big level by 2035, says the government, with significant improvements in its economic, technological and comprehensive power. Uh, And this is all contained in the communique of the fifth plenary session of the, uh, the meeting that was held last week. Per capita GDP in China, it's thought, will reach that of a mid level advanced economy with a bigger middle income group and new competitive advantages abroad by then. So, in summary, China will be a rich, green, and formidable economic power by 2035. So, let's wait and see. If this vision can be achieved, the natural result is that China's economic influence will exceed that of the U.S. In terms of total economic size, for instance, since China's population is almost four times that of the U.S., a per capita GDP that is about half of the U.S. level would make China's economy twice as large. Turning to the financial realm, China is expected to be more aggressive, on multiple fronts, from undercutting the US dollar's dominance in global trade to rolling out its own sovereign digital currency, as we were explaining, I think, a few podcasts uh, ago, as Beijing pushes to achieve a financial standing that matches its economic status. After all, for Chinese leaders, they believe this is a reliable approach to win the economic standoff with the U.S. in particular, regardless of what Washington
0: does next. You mentioned the word green as one of the powers China endeavors to be in the coming years. What concrete plan does China have to cease being such a huge source of carbon emissions?
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great uh, question. President uh, Xi recently announced China's commitment to peak carbon emissions by 2030, so in 10 years time, and net zero by 2060. So very, very uh, ambitious plans to reduce carbon emissions and energy demand in the Chinese economy. And these have become progressively more stringent over time. And we would have to say the government has generally achieved their goals. This trend is expected to continue with this uh, 2035 vision, And it's also a broad complementary nature to do with climate goals and the country's wider priorities. So coming back to China's net zero by 2060, recent carbon emissions commitment, this could be a game changer for the metals and mining industries. China is the world's biggest importer of copper, iron ore, many other metals and minerals. Its demand sets many of the terms of trade for the mining industry. That said, it may be many months, perhaps years in some cases, before detailed policy plans are drawn up and implemented. Achieving net zero is likely to see a significant acceleration in the pace of change, perhaps seeing an annual average reduction in emissions of 8 maybe 10%, after those emissions peak by 2030. Now that's a very, very grand order of things to achieve. This could require virtually complete electrification of road transport, as well as a massive shift in the fuel mix for both power and industry. And we've seen many interim steps towards this net zero target. A good example in recent years concerns a shift in focus on improving urban air quality. And we had um, the government proclaiming blue skies in many of the cities. And if you travel to Shanghai or Beijing, often the skies are gray and overcast. So this blue skies initiative, extremely important, involving enhanced energy
0: efficiency and switching to renewable fuels. And this ties in with our recent discussions regarding electric vehicles or EVs. Very much so.
1: Uh, China, already a leader in emerging mass markets for solar uh, PV and electric vehicles. Um, you know, it's achieved a greater market share across a broad range of key green technologies. And this is a critical component of Made in China 2025. Um, It's recently announced a plan to boost new electric vehicle sales under this new five-year plan. China is aiming to have new energy vehicles or EVs account for about 20% of total car sales by 2025 compared to around about 5% currently. So as the country increasingly pivots towards the achievement of net zero, China will deepen its commitment to international leadership in a wider range of key technologies, including hydrogen, as well as carbon capture and storage. It also complements the country's rising localism agenda. So again, speaks to self-sufficiency, not being dependent on the outside world. So discouraging overseas dependency on things like oil and gas and other critical imports.
0: So, speaking of commodities, this is all sounding quite bullish for base metals, at least.
1: I think so. I think that's the only conclusion one can draw. You know, last week's uh, meeting really highlighted the positive medium-term outlook for metals demand. And this will play a crucial role in China's green revolution. I think somebody said sustainability, green economy starts and ends with metals. Um, Infrastructure investment, roads and railways likely to be reduced in absolute terms because let's face it, China has pretty much built all it needs to build. But there will be, we think, accelerated upgrading of urban areas uh, and this should still support strong metals consumption because you need metals for local infrastructure. An example being uh, the underground or metro lines needing lots of steel, Aluminium, perhaps for the carriages, copper wiring, uh, so on and so forth. So plans to focus on sustainable growth, including the expansion of renewable energy, are likely to boost demand for metals such as copper and nickel. And these are the two metals that we've heard before. They're key ingredients to the development of the electric
0: vehicle sector. As the West has watched and in many ways participated in China's explosive growth over the last 20 years, we have seen how efficient their government can be in reaching their domestic economic targets, though there have been many aspects of Chinese society that have suffered greatly in the process, creating elements that have the potential to greatly hinder China's grand plans. One thing is for certain, though, and that's the major role that industrial metals will continue to play in China's evolution into a global economic powerhouse. I'd like to thank Robin for joining me today, and of course, I want to thank you for joining us. Please be sure to subscribe to The Forward Curve on your favorite podcast platform. You can also visit our website, www.goldstreetadvisors.com, for more information about Gold Street Advisors and the services we provide. Join us next week for more analysis and insight into the commodity markets and the global economy. I'm Christian Klafferdetcher, and on behalf of the Gold Street Advisors team, I thank you for listening. And remember to always keep an eye and ear on the forward curve.